You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for checking out the Redux Church podcast, a place for genuine conversation covering scripture and the principles we glean from it. Now, here's your host. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. If you uh, hit us up on the time that this came out, it's Friday. Uh, If not, it's some other day of the week. But either way, we are going to have a good time together. Once more, we are here with Jeremy. Jeremy, just greet everybody. Hi, everybody. You know, they're probably getting sick of hearing just you and me. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. not. Who knows? Maybe not. Well, and we are, we are, it's just been you and me for what? Chapter eight and chapter nine so far. Yeah. And really for those listening, especially if you're listening later in the year, uh, we're going through the Thanksgiving Christmas season. And so, uh, trying to get other folks involved, it's just much more challenging. So once we get into January stuff, uh, maybe chapter 10 or 11, uh, we'll get back to some other voices, at least others besides mine. <laughs> so oh we man, we like your voice. Well, thanks. So if you're uh, if you're with us at this point, uh, we'd like to stop and encourage you uh, to go and spend a little time worshiping the Lord. Uh, whether you play some music, whether you just get quiet and uh, shut off all your devices, whatever, but uh, get yourself prepared. To, man, you uh, sound like a radical preacher right there. Oh man, <laughs> shut off my devices. You know, are you kidding? Uh, as a good Oki would say, if I had my druthers, we'd go back <laughs> to pre-cell phone days. But, but that probably reveals my age also. So, yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, I like the ten foot long coiled up cord on the phone myself you know it was kind of fun honestly but they you know from an ocd standpoint it was the worst because they never really hung cleanly (laughs) like no matter what and if you don't know what we're talking about right now you know thanks for listening we didn't know we had a younger crowd (laughs) it was easier to raise children though when they could talk couldn't talk on the phone my goodness in in absolute privacy there's no question about that no question. Greatly increased our challenge. Well, so now, we're going to assume yeah. that you're back with us from worship. <laughs> and uh, our last episode, we did uh, chapter 9, 1 through 9. And so we're going to pick up in verse 10 right now. And again, I'm reading from the English Standard uh, Version if you want to follow along. So here we go. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who can call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For he will show how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, 
Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Mm. What do you think, Jeremy? I'm going to finish. For some days he was with... The disciples at Damascus, because that's technically the end of 19. Okay. <laughs> it's weird. It's one of those weird ones where they put a it separator is. in there. It is. I didn't catch that. <laughs> no. Well, man, there's a lot to this. My, I think really one of the big points here is um, I love that Ananias um, was cautious. Yes. And, I, and I love that because it just speaks to... The reality, because think about it. Like when I say cautious, again, we got it. Like, we so often just read this, right? But the Lord said to him, <laughs> "The Lord's telling him, rise and go to the street called Straight." And what's Ananias's response? Not, oh, okay, yes, absolutely, Lord. It's, uh, did you say Saul of Tarsus? Because mm-hmm. I've heard of this cat, and he's gonna kill me, <laughs> you know. But I think beyond that. Uh, well, you want to speak to that if you want. Yeah. Well, um, I I think it's it's key for for maybe younger believers um, in the faith to understand that we can be authentic with God. Right. That's good. We don't have to put on religious face. We don't have to speak Christianese. Uh, we it's actually just downright silly to do that. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't have to always be, uh, with God where we say the right thing. We're only going to have a good confession. No, we are absolutely able, uh, to be with a God who understands us completely and who lived in humanity himself. So he understands how we live, move, think, and have our being. We, we can be with him and tell him what we, in, in the raw, what we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, uh, man, that's so real. Gosh. But see, that's, isn't that the beginning of it all? Like, you know, how many times have you been around a person who um, they say, how are you doing? And you're like, well, I've been sick. I was sick last week. I'm still kind of struggling with it. And they reply back with, no, man, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, just, you know, that's, can we just be people? <laughs> you know? I mean, I appreciate the encouragement, I guess, but it's like, yeah. Let's be real. Let's be real. I just Absolutely. I just coughed up a lung and you know <laughs> I'm not I'm not great right this minute. It doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. In fact, I'm telling him all about it. I understand that completely. I feel like a cat sometimes. I've had nine sets of lungs. I've coughed <laughs> up eight of them already. Exactly. Oh man. Um absolutely can be authentic with God. And, and here's here's the point I want to say out of that. So we get to verse 15. Uh, but the Lord has said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name, etc." cetera. Mm-hmm. How often do we not get the response from God that we need because we didn't come to him in authenticity? Oh, that's good, man. Mm-hmm. And and I I didn't see I saw that as I was reading this. Mm-hmm. If if we're not real with him, he has to work on us to be real. So our situation may go on and on 
without being resolved the way it could be. Because mm-hmm. he has to work on us to be real instead of being able to give us the word that gives us the answer mm-hmm. for what we could have been real about. Man, that's good. That just blew me away as I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, well, again, it comes back to that starting point. He did the same thing with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, he's like, we're ashamed because we're naked. Well, who Mm -hmm. told you you're naked? (laughs) You know, they were just discovering this, but it's that let's get to the truth of this because it's, it's all about where we are with him. It's not where he is with us. Yeah. Right. It's that's why dispensations change. It's the, it's where does man stand with God? Not where does God stand with man? And you know, I think the thing in this, that section there, I, there's two things that really stick out. First off, this is the first point in uh, scripture where we see Paul's called to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? He said, Jesus says, go, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, which that's uh, in and of itself kind of interesting too. I've always seen Paul as isolated from the children of Israel in his work, but this is what Christ is saying. And it says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name, not because of anything he's done. I don't feel like that's a punishment. It's just a reality. Um, He's going to show him how he has to suffer for the sake of his name. And, uh, but what stuck out to me of all this, he is a chosen instrument of mine. And I think the reason that sticks out to me is that I often teach people the concept of being a specialty tool, and you could use the term specialty instrument, mm-hmm. that sometimes you don't feel like you're being used. And I want to bring that to the light of Saul. Okay. So I often talk about how people look around and go, man, they see somebody, just some big name somebody, and go, man, they're really used by God. I wish I was used by God. <laughs> but they're going off of what they've done so far. Right, they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't know. The now is now, and so to this point, even right now, I don't think Saul killing Christians is the instrument that God's talking about. Right here, <laughs> he's not. Hey, I'm using this guy to kill a bunch of my people. No, that was persecution. He he wasn't doing that. Uh, that's my my estimation anyway. I know some that would actually argue that, but. If you're Paul, or in this case, sorry, if you're Saul and someone's like, hey, God's God's going to use you. If let's say he's because right now he's in this place of, OK, I, I guess I'm a convert <laughs> like he's figuring stuff out. He hasn't been used by God. Mm-hmm. Right. Why would he think even why would it be on his radar that God could use him for anything? Meanwhile, it should have been forefront in his radar because God stopped him dead in his tracks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't recognize those things sometimes that the circumstance we see is this dark place and it's the circumstance that's the proof of how incredibly vital mm. you are. Yeah. That's good. Um So there was there was plenty of opportunity here for Saul to look backwards and say I'm forever unqualified. Yeah. But the fact, what you're saying is, if I'm hearing you right, yeah. having had that experience, this intervention from God, that should have released a hope that absolutely he's qualified because he's had this intervention. Right. And I, and that's really the thing. I mean, even as simple as, uh, you know, the story I told about, uh, I don't know if it was on this episode, was it this one or last one where I talked about being in the uh, Jeep Cherokee? 
Last one. It was last one, yeah. <laughs> See, when we record these all together. But, but the, yeah, because uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me before I entered into a relationship with Jesus. Um, just the fact that God's talking to you should be the very first thing, even if it's something small. Yeah. You know, and I say small, like, in other words, nothing that's going to adjust your day to day. It should, by default, adjust your day to day if your day to day isn't being spiritually minded and recognizing mm-hmm. how much value we have. Because in the story that I talk about, these specialty instruments, what I one of the things that I draw to it is that the instruments that are used only one. Uh, when I talk about, it, I talk about like tools for working on a motorcycle. Uh, because when I bought a motorcycle, I had to buy a bunch of specialty tools to to work on it. And guess what? Specialty t- tools cost more than oh, a yeah. screwdriver. Oh yeah, like exponentially. There's no ninety nine cent ones on the bottom shelf at Walmart. Right, when you got to find this exact right tool, it's going to cost you like sixty five bucks, and it's a bit, <laughs> or or a socket of some sort. And so, the thing is, why is, does it have so much value attached to it? Well, because even though it may only be used once, it's required to get the job done. Yeah, that tool has to be in your possession in order for you to execute. And it's the same thing with Christians. We have to recognize that uh, we're not trying to become, trying to make it into a hall of fame. We are trying to simply uh, live lives that are centered around God's intent for us, that's centered around his will and his perfect plan for us. And that will and perfect plan may culminate to a single action one time when we're 86 years old Mm. and at 43, we're feeling pretty freaking useless. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't process, well, God's going to use me when I'm 86. Well, you know, I don't want to get us off on too far of a rabbit trail, but, but you bring this to mind and I have to mention it. Um, at the time of recording this, I'm 64 years old Mm -hmm. and there is no, Doubt in my mind whatsoever, I am in the greatest season of harvest that I've ever experienced, ever dreamed of in my life right now. Yeah. And yet I'm 64. Right. If the average American male lives to be 72 or whatever it is. 76 now. Oh, 76. Okay. So, you know, based on average, I might have 14 years. Yeah. But I lived 64 to get to this stage. Mm -hmm. But this stage is so awesome that the 60 years I lived to get into this season Mm -hmm. was all worth the investment to get here. And that, that position, that thought process is wisdom that you can pray for or experience you pray for it you can have that insight if you don't pray for it you have to wait till you're 64 to figure it out (laughs) or whatever you know but i think too you know just think about that my example said you know you're waiting till you're 86 for example that's what 22 years away for you 22 can you imagine right now sitting here going i gotta wait 22 more years to Mm. be used by god but see this is the thing. That's Most not... people give up and do oh, nothing. absolutely. Until the year before. Absolutely. And, and, and it's just like anything else. If you were told the day you were going to die, and you knew that, wouldn't your habits radically change? Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't worry necessarily about exercising, eating right, whatever. I mean, you, you might, but 
but knowing the day you were going to die would change what you do today. And I think this is why it's so important that people live in the present. And, you know, again, not to get far off our scripture, because I think that's the whole thing. Paul right now is living very much in the present. There is nothing that will cause you to live in the present more than pain, discomfort, hurt. Yeah. Joy doesn't even. Something about humanity, when we have joy, (laughs) we tend to concentrate on the fact that it's going to go away soon. (laughs) When we have pain, we think, man, will this ever go away? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so let's flip the script now. All right. The other side of the coin illustration, verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer Mm. for the sake of my name. Yeah. So maybe in that time frame we waited for harvest. Maybe we did some suffering. Yeah. And that suffering was part of the plan. Yeah. Uh, What is the passage? I don't, I'll quote it wrong, but uh, it's basically saying unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it can never reach its potential. That's right. It's definitely a paraphrase, but so so there always there there always is a death before there's a birth. Yeah, there always is a winter season mm-hmm. in which it appears nothing is happening before there is a spring season when something comes up out of the ground. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So his, his suffering absolutely is not attached to his past. So it's not punishment, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But but it says uh, that he's a chosen instrument, as you mentioned, uh, before kings. And it mm-hmm. was the kings who would make him suffer. Mm. And so I'm sure Saul had no clue in this moment. But us being able to read this 2,000 years later, we understand that showing him what he would suffer, it was the the ministry to the king. Mm -hmm. And that was the cost of advancing the kingdom. Mm. And we we live such self-centered lives today. It's about how nice a car we drive, how nice a clothes right. we wear. Goodness. Whether we, you know, I, I now have an iPhone 14. I wanted a 15 and I'm suffering because <laughs> I only got a 14, That's right? newer than mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, I, I've been staying with, with a family while I was doing some recovery recently and, and, and they got a new TV that is twice as big as the old TV. Uh, you know, we, we just live in a self-indulgent society. It's always bigger, newer, faster. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure that, that we properly teach or convey the concept that that the kingdom and the advancement of the kingdom is far above our own self-indulgences mm-hmm. and, and a price to pay in our individual lives to advance the kingdom is an honor. Yeah. It's a privilege. And that goes against everything in our modern society. But you know what's so ironic? We get that when it comes to military service. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we will absolutely say it's an honor that he would lay his life down for his country. Yeah. Whoa! And every every time you walk into a restaurant and somebody's got their Vietnam vet hat on, sure. someone will say, "Well, you know, or or whatever their their military affiliation cap is, you know, thank you, sir, for your service." Yeah, we will thank them for the sacrifice they made, living or dead. Right. 
but we'll not equate that into the kingdom. That's a beautiful point. Um, And I just lost my next thought. Well, well, to pontificate on that a little bit, because that's, you know, what I love to do is pontificate. (laughs) Um, It's not to diminish the service of servicemen, right? I have a son who's in the armed forces. It's it's to to the point of that contrast. Why can't we recognize we want um, what unicorns and rainbows? I guess is the thought Mm. process is like, don't you? Didn't people grow up at one point where they sang a song in kids' church that said, "I'm in the Lord's army"? Yeah. Okay. Well, what do we know about the army? They're going to fight. We are we are in a war with evil. In fact, we're in war with pure evil, like yeah. the incarnation of evil. And so, yeah, of course, we what what I don't think people understand is um our what we're talking about here, the spirit realm isn't a matter of uh if. It's real, it exists, mm-hmm. and you are going to choose a side. Because not choosing a side is choosing a side. Yeah. And so you you're stuck you're going to choose a side, and that's the whole point, is that God's making every possible way for you to get back to him. And when I say you're in a war, you're you're trying to get back to your first love, your true love. I mean, it's the greatest story ever told, really. Oh. And so, I, you know, I just think it, it it is tough for me to to reconcile some of the messages that I hear <laughs> in the Christian world. Okay, I have regained my point. I hoped you would. Um, These self-indulgent lives that I I made reference to that we live, in that self-indulgent life, really our identity is living outside of being in Christ. Mm. So Christ knew when he was with Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration that he must go and suffer many things. Mm Mm-hmm just as he's showing Saul what he must suffer, Jesus himself knew he must go and suffer many things to advance the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and so in our self-indulgent lifestyles, we don't recognize that we are really outside of Christ and some of those mentalities and identities and that our suffering is not suffering alone, but we are suffering in him as him. Mm-hmm. And... The greatest calling we will ever have is is not to be the CEO of a company or or not to have the prettiest yard in the block or or whatever. The greatest calling we'll ever have is to be Christ in the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, you know, Christians may be listening to this going, "Well, you know what? This is a really crappy message. Like, I don't want to have to suffer." <laughs> and and here's what I'm going to say about that. First off, I'm not saying that you're going to be martyred. There's a difference between suffering for Christ and martyrdom. There's they're different words. But I think the more that we are in Christ, the more we innately suffer. Because this is, we talk about, we use the term advancing the kingdom. What does it mean to advance the kingdom? What it means is to rescue more people from the stinking matrix, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting more and more people to, to come out of the dark, into the light, open their eyes. And so the closer you are to Christ, you by default suffer because your love for these people are becomes, you're in Christ, it becomes Christ's love. And you suffer instantly because of how many people are rejecting yeah. him and, and how you know how that hurts them. It's about compassion. 
And I think, yes, Saul absolutely suffered in a martyrdom fashion, but it it was a worthy suffering because what was more painful was the idea of all those that would be lost if he didn't do his action. And I think that's, to me, you know, when I think about Christ dying on the cross, he had a choice. He chose it before his love for humanity. That's mm-hmm. why he chose to do what he did. So he literally said, it's worth me suffering the way that I'm suffering here because if I don't do that, the suffering's even far worse, like my because of love, right? Yeah. So, so I think it's much the same way that our suffering increases radically the more we realize people are really lost. When I think about, um, even like with with my kids, if there if there comes a point where there's nothing I can do for them, which there's a point for some in some, especially in some context, that is the worst feeling ever. <laughs> I mean, just the worst feeling ever. If your kids ever suffer with like uh, any kind of mental things, like mm-hmm. you know, fear, anxiety, things like that, it's so awful as a parent because you know there's zero you can do for them, that they have to do it for themselves, and it's the worst. And so God, <laughs> imagine being in His shoes, created humanity, knowing that the only way love could exist is if free will existed, and knowing that if free will exists, there's going to yeah. be suffering He can't do anything about. Yeah. That's painful. Later later in scripture, uh, when our current Saul is Paul, mm-hmm. he makes the statement, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. Which speaks of a martyrdom. Right. Of disconnecting from the identity in the flesh. And in our last episode, in verse nine, we, we left with Paul who who eyes are open but cannot see. And in, earlier in this passage we're dealing with day, it's as, as if scales fell off his eyes. So there, there was a transition from, from Saul, the murderer of Christians. That, that Saul died in that intervention. And now we are having a, a rebirth of a new Saul that will be later known as Paul mm-hmm. uh, and, and fulfill that ministry to... Uh, 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 kings and Gentiles and, and Israelites, mm-hmm. um, and, and it sort of that sort of begs the question of to what degree maybe have we actually come to Christ? Mm. Have we come to Christ in a way in which we have left the man or woman that we were when we came to Him, and and lost that identity of that person to pick up who we are now? by our design, by what his purpose is for our life. Mm. And and true living is living out his purpose and, and not who we've known ourselves as in the past. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it, Jesus kind of uh, typed and shadowed this concept of, I mean, the simple name change, that this martyrdom of self, he did it with Peter. You know, he said, you will be, you will be called Simon, or Peter Barjona, is that what he was? Uh, And upon this rock, I will build my church. Like he lays out this identity and, and it it really does circle back to that. He does it with Saul or will do it. He hasn't done it quite yet, but uh, it's the name change. Isn't so you can build a new rep. (laughs) (laughs) The name changes because the old you is dead. Yeah. And uh, 
It's interesting. Um, we, a rebranding, it's a rebirth. That's exactly right. Man, that's that's music worthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a rebranding, it's a rebirth. Mm. That's good. All right, Jeremy, you want to pray us yeah, out today? Yeah. Final thought or something? I'll pray. I like that. Okay. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, who you've made us to be, and the revelation that comes through the dissecting of these scriptures, the time that we've taken to just to dive into this. And I just ask that anything that maybe we said that isn't what you want us to say today, that we just ignore it, that people hear it won't hear that. And and Lord, more importantly, I pray that that what we're doing here today would would cause folks to to dive deeper themselves, even without us. Maybe maybe they're doing acts with us on Fridays, but on on Tuesdays or Thursdays or something else, they're diving into their own scripture, maybe with a friend, that that they can really begin to truly understand the nature of who you are and all that you've gone through to restore us back to yourself and to reconcile you us to you. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'd love to have you uh, follow up with us. Uh, you can go to redux.church, uh, uh, put in a, a note to us. We'd love to hear what you're getting out of this. If you'd like to connect in person, uh, just uh, just communicate with us. We'd love for you to communicate us. Redux.church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode in Acts.